0: Today's scripture reading is from Genesis, chapter 25, verses 19 through 34. These are the descendants of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean of Padanaram, sister of Laban of the Aramean. Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his prayer and his wife, Rebecca, conceived. The children struggled together within her, and she said, if it is to be this way, why do I live? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples born of you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The elder shall serve the younger. When her time to give birth was at hand, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, and his body like a hairy mantle, so they named him Esau. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand gripping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man living in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he was fond of game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking a stew, Esau came in from the field and he was famished. Esau said to Jacob, Let me eat that red stuff, for I am famished. Jacob said, First sell me your birthright. Esau said, I am about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, Swear to me first. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright.
1: Here we have this story of the birth of Esau and Jacob. I got to say, I don't much care for Jacob, really. He's kind of a jerk, really. Uh, He reminds me of a lot of the guys who used to steal my lunch money. When I was in school and slug me in the arm and things like that. And, uh, he's kind of a bully, quite frankly. And in here, Jacob cons his, his own brother, his twin brother, out of his birthright. Basically making, uh, putting Jacob in charge of his father's estate and then Esau, who's as the firstborn child, whose right it was, Esau would then become subject to to Jacob, instead of the other way around. Now I got to say, you know, Esau isn't the sharpest tool in the shed. Clearly, as uh, uh, I mean, I like lentil stew, stew, but really. <laughs> Later on, Jacob tricks his father-in-law into giving him the lion's share of his sheep and then takes everything, at one point takes everything that isn't nailed down, including his daughters, and sneaks off in the middle of the night. And then he takes advantage of his poor father's eyesight, uh who tricks Isaac into blessing into a blessing that rightly belongs to Esau later on because his his father Isaac is so blind he can't tell the difference between his two sons It's really difficult in my mind to find something redeeming about this Jacob character he just seems to be a conniving con artist who's out to get what he wants not to mention he seems kinda lazy he hangs out in the tent all day I mean you know he must be a good cook uh, (laughs) you know but nonetheless you know everyone else is doing the work here's Jacob Kind of loafing around. And yet, he is one of the patriarchs whom God blessed a nation through. It was through Jacob that the twelve tribes were born into the world and the nation of Israel became great it is through Jacob that the promise made to Abraham and passed on to Isaac is ultimately fulfilled that your descendants will be like the stars was the promise to Abraham and it was through Isaac it was through uh, Jacob that this comes to pass but what are we to make of this why is it that God would choose such a bully such a jerk to bless and to be such a blessing to the world. I guess I would say a few things about this. First, clearly, <clears throat> every family is as dysfunctional as yours and mine, right? Even going back to the biblical age, if you think your family's a mess, just read Genesis you'll feel great about your family (laughs) right I don't know in fact let me I don't mean to go off on a rant here but I don't understand where folks get this notion that that you know some somewhere there's a biblical mandate that a family should be a mom and a dad and 2.3 children who all grow up to, to you know I I don't understand where that that notion comes from looking through Genesis I gotta think you know Two guys raising a kid can't do all that bad compared to what was going on in Genesis. You know, <laughs> how bad could it really be at this point? These guys are terrible. They come from difficult, uh, difficult places within the Bible, and it, it seems like every family portrayed in the Bible is completely dysfunctional, and Isaac's family is no different. You have a you have Isaac who's kind of mamby pamby, he's a little milk toast, I got to say. In between, you know, Abraham was such a great guy and he had his problems. And and then Isaac kind of comes along and the, his portion of the Bible is really really short actually. There's not a lot said about Isaac. And so he's kind of mamby pamby, a little bit of milk toast, but his his wife on the other hand, Rebecca who he loves so much and which she takes advantage of over and over again. Uh, his wife is a bit passive aggressive and really favors Jacob over everybody else. And go and and will spare no expense at making sure Jacob is taken care of. In fact, it was her idea that he go Jacob go in and trick Isaac into giving Jacob Esau's blessing. So this you got this family kind of conniving, working together. It's like a soap opera, isn't it? It's just like one of those shows on TV. And you have a father who seems not aware of anything going along. You have siblings who seem to hate each other. They hate each other. Cons one of the, I mean, who wouldn't give their starving brother a bit of soup without charging him uh, his birthright for it? So again, it makes our family issues seem pretty small. Second, I want to say I think that God sees people differently than we do. Right? Uh, God ultimately chooses who God chooses. God chose Jacob. And sees within Jacob something extraordinary. I think he's a jerk. God sees something else in there. Uh, I don't see Jacob with God's eyes. God saw something in Abraham, though Abraham was nothing special. He seemed to be completely randomly picked. Right? And uh, God picked Moses. Moses couldn't even speak well. He stuttered when he speak. He had to have Aaron speak for him. And it seemed to be whoever stumbled along and ran into this bush that was talking out in the wilderness. The next person who comes around the corner is who I'm choosing, and it happened to be Moses. It seems, it seems rather, it doesn't seem like a really a good system that God has developed here, but somehow God has chosen these people God chose David in spite of the times that he lost his way and made drastic mistakes remember that whole Bathsheba thing I won't spell out for you but uh, you know David was no saint God chose and anointed Jesus a poor son of a carpenter in some backwater town in Nazareth to be the Messiah what was God thinking no one's gonna listen to this guy and if he did try to declare the kingdom of God and that he was the king of it they would kill him and lo and behold they did they, but God chose Jesus out in uh, even in his poverty God chose Peter a fisherman and God chose tax collectors and other low life in order to be to, sh- to let God's light shine within God chose Paul, who was the enemy of the church, was was standing there when they stoned Stephen to death just for being a follower of Christ. And now, Saul becomes Paul and becomes the biggest asset the church had. Most of the New Testament written by Paul. So God clearly must have seen something in, in Saul that we would not have seen. God sees in people things we don't see and things they do not see within themselves. And I think sometimes you look around and you see people working for the Lord and you, you got to say, well, you know, their success could only be attributed to God, really. Uh, and I, I got to tell you, sometimes I feel that way. <laughs> I think to myself, it's only by the grace of God that I, we get anything accomplished around here. Uh, not on our own strength, but by the strength of God. A third thing I want to observe about this story or that we can make out of this story is that Jacob, after an epiphany, decides to try and reconcile with his brother and make what, right what had done. And it, remind, it tells us that people can change. This is my faith. You know, a lot of folks in the world have kind of given up on people. And and I can understand why. Because I think change is difficult. I have a hard time changing. You have a hard time changing. We look around and we don't see a lot of people transforming themselves into something new. And changing the direction of their life. But my faith is this. Is that with God's help we can change. We can transform. Uh, Paul went on to say after his conversion experience. That we are a new creation. The old is dead and the new has come people can change people can transform and Jacob was no different he had this experience he's walking along out in in Bethel and forgot his pillow so he lays his head on a rock and you would think he'd be tossing and turning all night feeling guilty about what he did to his brother maybe but uh, instead he sleeps soundly and he has this vision of a ladder uh, going up to heaven and angels ascending and descending and he got out of that that God was calling this land sacred and was calling Jacob to bring God's people to this land. And that through Jacob, God would fulfill His promise. And that seemed to change Jacob somehow. And he heads for home, but he starts to get scared. He thinks, you know what? Esau probably a little upset. <laughs> Esau's probably mad, and he starts to get scared, and so he, he gets some of his servants together because by now he's cheated his father-in-law out of everything he had, and he's, he's mighty wealthy by now, so he's che- he takes all of that and he says, uh, I, "I've got a bunch of servants. take a bunch of this stuff, load it up, and take it to my brother, and say, "Jacob's coming home to his servant, Esau, and he brings him this gift." So they load it up and they take him out. A little while later, he thinks maybe that wasn't enough. Maybe I, so all you guys, you go take all this stuff and tell my brother. And someone comes back and says, he's coming to meet you. And he's got 400 soldiers with him. Aw, crap. Right? Now what do I do? So he loads up everything he has and he sends it to Esau. And he says, you know, my, my gift to my, serv- to my Lord, Esau your servant sends you these things and he starts to get nervous because he knows Esau is coming and he sends his his wife and his children across the river to get them out of the way and he's left there alone by himself and in the middle of the night an angel of the Lord comes and attacks him or he attacks him, one of the two. Anyway, they wrestle all night long and Jacob won't let go of the angel who says, let me go. J- Jacob says, no, don't. I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. And so the angel, which happened to be God, blessed Jacob and said, today your name is Israel and you'll be the lead the head of my people the only way he would let him go is he, he touched his thigh and it cramped up and broke his leg and after that Jacob who is now Israel walked with a limp as a reminder of the night he wrestled with God but it was out of this experience that Jacob became Israel wrestled with God and received a blessing it was as if Jacob was finally just letting go of all of that anger all of that ambition all of that whatever it was that was driving him to take everything he could to get everything he could to 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 be on top and to be the main guy and to to make sure that no one stood in his way not even his own family it was as if he throughout the night he was he was getting that all out of his system with God And he wouldn't let go until he got out of God everything he could. And God blessed him for it. And out of that, Jacob becomes Israel. And to all indications, the bully is gone. That wrestling, that night of wrestling transforms Jacob into someone new. Born again, if you will, into Israel and becomes something else. Finally, realizing that all of his ambition, everything he wanted out of life wasn't going to be found in the wealth, wasn't going to be found in being powerful, it was going to be found in the blessings that God was willing to give. And all of his strength and all of his conniving and all of his conning wasn't going to get him the love of God because that was his already. It was there for him to receive without any bargain, without any capitulation, without anything, but to receive it. That changed, it transformed who Jacob was. Incidentally, When he finally got up and went and realized, and Esau comes over the hill with his 400 soldiers, Esau ran and embraced his brother and forgave him for all the things that happened. And they became good friends after that. Finally, what I get out of this story is that it isn't about what people are, it's about what God is. This is, the, you know, this is the thing I think we get hung up on. Moses said it. I've said it. You've probably said it. God, why are you choosing me? Go choose someone else. I don't think I'm ready for them. I don't think I have what it takes. I don't think I'm equipped. I don't think I have the resources. I don't have the, the wherewithal. I don't know anything about the Bible. Why are you choosing me? It doesn't matter why God is choosing you. God is choosing you. Period. Period. And it isn't about what you have. It's about what God has. God God doesn't choose us based on natural talent or ability. God doesn't choose us based on our piety and our righteousness, thank God. God doesn't choose us based on our influence or our station in society. God chooses us and gives us everything we need to accomplish everything God asks us to do. Amen? God chooses us and then makes us righteous. He doesn't wait for you to get righteous because God will be waiting a long time. God makes you righteous. You can't do it. I've watched. You're not very good at it. Neither am I. God chooses us, and it doesn't matter if we have influence because it's about, it isn't about what we can do. It's about what God can do through us. It wasn't about Jacob. It wasn't about Moses. It wasn't about Abraham. It wasn't, about, it wasn't even about Jesus. It was about what God did through Jesus Christ. It was about the kingdom of God realized through Jesus Christ. heralded in. And it was about Jesus being faithful in saying, here I am, Lord. Take me. And every follower of Christ after that saying, here I am, Lord. Shape me. Turn me into what You need. And it's then that people see Christ in you. It's not in your righteousness that you try to contrive. It's not in, that, it's not in looking right or acting right. Not in coming to church every Sunday, although it wouldn't kill you. Be here. <laughs> in fact, church is there to help you experience the transforming power of being in the Spirit with Christ, of having that Holy Spirit at work in you that is the thing that transforms you and me from a Jacob into an Israel, from a Saul into a Paul, from a Simon into a Peter. Amen? As we hear this story of, a, of someone who struggles in a dysfunctional family, whose ambition becomes the better of him, but who is ultimately transformed through nothing more than the blessing of God and God's love for all the world. It's my prayer that we each find ourselves within this story To know that it isn't what we have. It isn't what we we bring to the table. But our willingness to hand it over. Say, here I am, Lord. Take me. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, we hear Your call. Sometimes we hear a call to piety and righteousness. Sometimes we hear a call to getting ourselves together so that we might be useful to you sometimes we hear a call to being something we're not help us to hear the call to being just in you and open to receiving your blessing that we might then be useful to the kingdom of God that we might then be equipped to transform the world May Jesus be alive in us through Your Holy Spirit. May we be a reflection of You in the world. May we have the wisdom and the strength to get out of the way so that You might shine within us. We ask all of this in the powerful name of Christ. Amen.